Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Congratulations for you folks that's when graduating, either from high school or from college or grad school or law school or medical school. Well, you know what? They'll be looking for a job soon. If they're looking for a job, they got to look the part. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. they got a great, great line of clothing for your younger folks. And not necessarily something tailor-made, but also something custom-made. A wide variety of shirts, blouses, skirts, towels, you name it. Not towels, exactly. But you know what I'm talking about. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, Senator Asko, uh, what role does the federal government have in uh, Indiana's housing issues? So for decades, the federal government uh, has been spending millions and millions of dollars on housing. Uh, from my standpoint, the role they have is to ensure each of those dollars goes further. And we attempt to do that through some of my legislation, uh, the Yes in My Backyard Act, the Neighborhood Homes uh, uh, Investment Act would take blighted properties and create a mechanism to bring in, to crowd in private investment and turn those into uh, housing stocks so that people have affordable housing options. So many times have we seen states and the federal government try to attack housing affordability? It tends to end up at what, what's called market rate housing, so for folks who are making a little bit more money, and the biggest shortages are for lower income That's right. folks, particularly in black and brown communities. So how do we make sure that we're actually attacking housing affordability for the folks who need it the most? Well, we should expand the low-income housing tax credit program. Uh, it has long been the preeminent uh, housing affordability mechanism to ensure that that workforce housing is built. Most people who live in low-income housing tax credit homes uh, have jobs. Uh, they're trying to support families. And this is just uh, a, a subsidy so that the sufficient housing stock is built for them so they can live near where the jobs are and we have a more uh, functioning labor market in addition uh, to ensuring that we meet the social mission of, of ensuring everyone uh, is included in our growing economy. Senator, specific to the YIMBY Act, there's obviously a big push for mixed-use development try to get some more walkable communities. How do you see the YIMBY Act interacting with mixed-use commercial and residential development in particular? I would say it's just uh, an extension of, of uh, the planning process. So we'll leave it up to local communities uh, to plan mixed-use development, uh, walkable communities, and so forth. But we also want all these decisions to be transparent so that uh, no impediments uh, exist uh, to people of modest means to locate into a community if that's where the jobs and opportunity lie. Is there a point at which mixed-use development and affordable housing come to be at cross-purposes? Uh, say again? Is there a point at which mixed-use development and the push for affordable housing come to be at cross-purposes? Because maybe if you put too much commercial in, it becomes too expensive or vice versa? Uh, those are decisions to be made at the local level. We just want to ensure they're transparent decisions um, as local communities benefit handsomely from federal grants. And that's all the YIMBY Act does. We think it will lead to a lot more transparency to local planning processes, which will benefit residents uh, as they weigh in on housing affordability issues. There was a lot of conversations today about millennials specifically pushing back home buying and because of the inequality when it comes to wages, some would say wages aren't matching what it costs to own a home. How do you address that on the federal level? Do you think that that's a federal issue or would you come back to the states for that? Well, our m millennials, whether they're renting or attempting to purchase new homes, um, are, are dealing with the pinch of not enough 
stock of, of housing being on the market right now. And, and so my real point of emphasis right now is, is creating mechanisms to allow each dollar to go further so we can build more houses, lowering rents and lowering uh, the cost of you know, a monthly mortgage payment. What about people who say wages aren't keeping up with what it costs to buy a home or own a home? Do you think there's any solutions well, that Congress if, could if, provide? If it is, it is housing stock. So if wages aren't keeping up with uh, housing inflation, one way we can address housing inflation is to put more houses on the market, lowering the price of houses, allowing each dollar of wage to go further. You mentioned this a little bit in the, during the chat. Um, how concerned are you about what we see as maybe even a cliff happening with more and more seniors who are retiring wanting to stay in their homes yeah. But a, a real lack of either affordable homes or homes that aren't substandard. This is a serious issue, but it's also an opportunity, Brandon. I uh, I, I hear a lot about uh, interest in aging in place that is not ending up in a long-term care facility, but instead aging in your home, being uh, uh, receiving the benefit of, of services from healthcare providers uh, as needed, and then having remote sensors monitor one's uh, health. This is a lot less costly uh, than nursing home payments through Medicaid or, or, or other uh, federal payment programs. And it's also providing tons of consumer value. So this is why we got to bring more housing stock in the market to lower r- rents, lower mortgage payments. Uh, and in the process, I think you'll, you'll see people choosing this option as opposed to the long-term care option. Not to change gears, but I got to ask you your thoughts on former President President Trump, Mar-a-Lago, the Justice Department, the, the alleged weaponization of the, the Justice Department. Your, your thoughts? Ten words or less? Oh, or, or 20 words As or many more. as you want to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got plenty of memory. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, uh, all these this constellation of issues uh, raises my blood pressure on a regular basis. I'm hearing increasingly from my neighbors who are conservative people, but they've had enough. It is time to turn the page on President Trump. It's time to move on to you know, an authentic conservative uh, who can win a general election, and that's where my head is right now. Anybody you're endorsing? No, not at this time. I'm, I'm just uh, assessing the field and trying to learn more about each of the candidates as are most Hoosiers. Closer, closer to home, there's a governor's race here that's getting a lot of attention, obviously, next year. Is that full first? Are you endorsing anybody right now, and do you plan to endorse someone in the Republican primary? I haven't thought a lot about uh, whether or not I will endorse, uh, but I'm not planning on uh, endorsing anyone anytime soon. Back to some housing questions. What made you choose Indianapolis, Kokomo, and Maribel? Are these specific areas that you see having an issue with affordable housing? or you know, We, ch- we tried to get a cross-section of uh, the state, uh, and I communicated that to the realtors, and we worked through them to help set up a lot of these meetings. Was you yet coming into play for trying to get bodegas, that sort of thing, into some neighborhoods as well? I know in the past you've talked about the need to get some smaller grocery stores in underserved areas. Um, I think there will be a market incentive to open up more of these grocery stores uh, if you build up more housing in particular areas. So as you see more development, you'll see more people establishing grocery stores. That's the best I can do on that one. Thank you. When you uh, uh, mentioned about workforce concerns, you you made a reference that you thought Congress might come to some resolution on immigration. How is that possible? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I listen. I, I know that the president of the United States is very sensitive to doing anything constructive, seemingly, on border security. So. I anticipate after the next election, regardless of who wins, there will be some bold action on border security, thinking optimistically. And then once that predicate is laid, I think there will be great openness to revisiting the issue of legal immigration reform, which we need in this country. What form do you see that? Would you want to see that take? It, as far you know, you know, legalizing people who are already here and issues like that. Yeah, that's the tough one. I'm actually on record supporting what was President Trump's proposal, uh, which would have provided a path to legal status uh, for you know the dreamers, people who are here illegally through frankly no fault of, of their own. That's often underreported or misunderstood that he supported that. Um, um, so I thought that was a it was it was actually a, a really constructive policy. I thought electoral and, and party politics got in the way of that. So let's revisit that proposal and um, update it. And I'll be av- uh, actually in, in coming months, I'll probably be offering uh, a proposal or two of my own that I think should be part of a broader package. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.